Hey everybody, it's Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and it's our privilege to have with us EJ Bassetti. Edge Bassetti, good to have you with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Edge, I was uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, and one of the things that impresses me among many things, looking at your profile and the things that you've mm -hmm. done and the things you're doing now, is the photo of you when you were 20 compared to when you were 60, looking <laughs> strong and healthy and limber and ready to take on the world and looking at you, you would not think that you're a 60-year-old young gentleman. How do you yeah. manage to do this? Well, 61 next month in March. So uh, yeah. so I have to take a new photo. <laughs> but that that's, that's, um, that's part of what I believe, uh, Dr. Craig, is what life is about. And what uh, Tony Robbins says is you are over uh, think what you can do in a year, but you'll be surprised at what you can do over decades. And that's decades of being consistent. Mm. And that's not only consistent in the workout, but trying to be consistent in my marriage, trying to be consistent in my life. And that's the principles that I've stuck with that has helped me uh, to maintain a, a healthy weight and also a healthy marriage, as a matter of fact. Mm. You mentioned, um, you know, principles and, mm -hmm. you you know, you've been sales and keynote speaking. You're mm -hmm. an author. You train authors. What are some of the other principles that you have that, that guide you in your leadership and management and training that you do? Well, some of them are uh, your belief systems. Uh, that's, that's a big part. Growing up in Chicago, in the toughest part of Chicago, I grew up in two areas. One was called Ida B. Wells Housing. And Ida B. Wells Housing was on the south side of Chicago, close to Comiskey Park, where the White Sox played. And on the north side of Chicago was where Wrigley Field was, where the Cubs played. But where we grew up was, they called it the low end, Dr. Craig, because they said life couldn't get any lower than that. And in wow. order to get from there to talk to you today here, there's a story in there, and that story is where all of the values and principles came in place because if you didn't stick to something that you believed in at an early age when you thought this was the only thing that existed was this environment, you would have not been able to make it out to see that there were other things and other places to go. So that environment actually was a catalyst to teach me a lot of the things that I know today. Let's dig into that because for people to live in an environment where others, even themselves, are saying this is the low end and you can't get any lower, right. I would imagine it creates a mindset, it creates a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy yes. for people that live there, but that's not you. So tell us about that story. Yeah, well, the, the, the story is I had a best friend. My best friend's name is Ray, and I want you to remember Ray's name because I met Ray at four years old. And the thing that impressed me about him was that although we were best friends, Ray was a dreamer. And one of his dreams was to write a book. By the time we were in third grade, Ray stopped talking about this book that he wanted to write. And he would call it From Ghetto to Glory. And all the adventures that we had as kids were going to go in this book. And of course, the book was designed for us to be heroes at the end. And we talked yes. about this most of our lives. And that's where the format of the dreaming came from. 
because in order for us to write the book, of course, we had to fulfill the, the dreams which were being successful, then coming back into the community and helping other people see what we had done. So it was quite a vision that my best friend had. And as, as, as time went on, that particular dream, I saw us going in two different directions. And so when I was in corporate America, I was actually the top salesman for a Fortune 500 company and the first African-American to do that in, uh, in the pharmaceutical sales area. And my best friend was back in Chicago in the low end getting in trouble because he had lost uh, the hope and the dreams mm. and the visions that he had when we were younger. Wow. So one of our discussions that we had um, was what about all the things that we talked about when we were younger? What about this book that you wanted to write? Mm. And unfortunately, that same year that I was a top salesman, he was murdered back on the streets of Chicago. Wow. So similar starting point, a mm -hmm. shared hope and desire and dream. Yes. But then it diverged and one person went off and achieved some success and mm -hmm. one person stayed where he was right and ended up dying in that environment what was the difference maker there the difference was and i talked about him talked about it and that's why i knew it so well um it was being able to wait for your uh success to come it was a, it was a consistency mm -hmm. like i told you earlier in life where some good things you're not going to get uh, immediately. Some things you're not going to get like today. And you have to put the groundwork in and you have to believe that it's something better on the other side. And so what I was able to do was always take that role where I had to walk away from friends. I had to walk away from circumstances. I had to walk away from environments that were not going to lead to me being successful. And uh, what I would do, Dr. Craig, in a lot of instances, when um, it was very lonely doing that because, of course, your friends are all here mm. and you're the one that stays in the background and you see them walking away and they're doing something that you know you can't do if this is the dream to be over here mm. this is not going to fit in that dream and it's mm. so so you had to make choices so it was about the choices it was about uh believing the things that you had in your heart and your mind it was about taking those things on that uh cause uh circumstances to put you in a situation where you see yourself and you're leaning toward what they're doing because that's the instant gratification mm. you have to get yourself back on track because you know that if you don't, uh, for African-American young men, you know, jail was on the other side of that. Uh, death was on the other side of that, mm. uh, possibly getting shot or, you know, so uh, I talk about a lot of different things that came into play. Like my dad was instrumental in that my um thought process sports became a big part of it 
because that kept me wanting um, something more. You know, I wanted to play football in high school. I wanted to play sports in college. Um, so those were those were some of the things that kept me on that. And then when I got into the professional world, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best sales guy. And I, I, I came in to that environment. And I remember uh, one company, we were doing door-to-door, not door-to-door, but business-to-business selling, selling copier machines. And they said, you have to make 15 cold calls a day. And you have to show these copiers twice a day. So that was the goal, 15 cold calls twice a day. And the copiers were on gurneys, you know, hospital gurneys. Yeah. Because in order to get the job, you had to purchase a vehicle, a van, a minivan. So you had to purchase a $15,000 minivan. And this was straight commission. Wow. But they said, if you do it right, you can earn $50,000 a year. I had never earned that type of money in my life. This was a 50,000. My dad at his best had made $19,500. That was with double overtime. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm coming back to the projects telling my dad I have a chance to make $50,000 a year back in 1980, you know, 85, 86. That That's was a lot of money. That was that was unheard of. So I said in the interview I said, I'm going to do 30 calls and I'm going to do four presentations a day because 15 calls and two presentations, if I double it, I'll do what I need to do. And I made President's Club that year. Wow. And those successes, I came back and I would talk to my best friend. And remember, his name is Ray. Ray. And I would say, Ray. The things that we talked about, we wanted to travel around the world. We wanted to write a book. We wanted to make it out. I said, it's possible. I said, I'm doing it. But at the same time that I was doing it, his his uh, hopes and dreams had started to fade because he wasn't putting in what I was putting in. He wasn't putting the time in. Mm. We went to college together. And when we was on the campus, I would beg Ray, just do your do your work. I said, you got to study. I said, you can't come here. It doesn't, if you don't, you got to, you got to play. You got to play. You got to be involved. When I was playing football, I went to practice. I was a walk-on. I walked onto the team and I became a, a, a three and a half year starter wow. in college. And so all these examples were just examples of putting the time in, putting the work. But there was a bigger vision at the top that started from Mm. when we were kids. Just reminds me of what Angela Duckworth talks about in terms of grit. You know, you can have a talent, but you have to put the effort in to make that a skill. And then you have to take some some effort to take that skill to equal achievement. So actually effort counts twice. So you have to use your effort twice. And you mentioned some principles there. One was Mm -hmm. um, uh, staying limber about your physical Mm -hmm. body, but Mm -hmm. also delaying gratification, holding on to a dream, um, choosing to change your circumstances as Mm -hmm. well as your relationships, which can be, I imagine, very, very hard. You mentioned your dad and sports. Now, those are two. One's a relationship 
mm-hmm. and one's a circumstance. Yes. And you had to put effort to maintain a relationship. You have to put mm-hmm. effort to actually yes. pursue and achieve in those sports. Those mm-hmm. same sort of principles, though, you apply to the business of recognizing, okay, this number of calls and this number of showing yeah. photocopiers <laughs> or copiers equals mm-hmm. 50 grand a year. So I'm going to do yeah. double. So yes. my potential should be, if a success yes. is 100 grand, right, yes. and making yes. a president's club. So you actually found some success principles that you mm-hmm. could apply and double to get double the results. Yes. I, I really like that. I think that's a strategy that in and of itself, identifying mm-hmm. the principles and double downing and on them yes. is actually really powerful. What else yes. have you, because I know that you train people to be an author. So it seems mm-hmm. like when you have found success, mm-hmm. you've sought to enable other people to find success with those yes. strategies that you have as well. Tell us yeah. more about that. Yeah, and that started again from Ray. And I, I like to give credit because one of the things I wanted to do, Dr. Craig, is I wanted to show people that he deserved better. If you take that one person's mm. life in my life, and that's what the first book, Silent Cry, is about. It's about our relationship from the age of four years old. And mm. I'm showing that because we were together and he was the one that actually gave me the confidence. So how much better would he have been if he would have just stuck to what he believed? And isn't that true for most of us? We want to write a book, but we just don't quite get there. We want to be good parents, but we just can't quite get there. We want to be the best at our job, but we can't quite get there. We want to be in shape, but we just can't quite get there. So those principles, even though I lived in this environment, when I got into corporate America, excuse me, let me get this out. When I got into corporate America, I actually saw where they aligned a lot with life. They mm-hmm. aligned, they were the, they were similar to what I was going through with my life. And so it made it easy to go back into environments and say, you know what? You actually have been through the toughest things that human beings can go through. You have the stories that other people, you have the other, you have the stories that to tell that other people would say, wow. And that's mm-hmm. what I started doing. So in my corporate, uh, when I started going to my corporate engagements, I started telling people everywhere my story about me and Ray. And my and people started falling in love with wow, you're this guy who you came from this environment, but you don't seem like a. what we see on TV doesn't fit the image that you have. Right. How can you be this guy, but you've been through this? I'll give you I'll give you a quiz. Uh, This is a little quiz. I want you to answer this. And if you answer it right, how many times do you think I've been robbed at gun knife, robbed at either gun knife or or with a gun or a knife pointed at me. How many times? Uh, two. 16. 16. Wow. So to see you here, and that was all before I turned, you know, 30 16. years old, 20, 16. Wow. So what it says is the reality of life and the reality of anything that we want, you have to go at it like your life depends on it. Mm. See, every time I left the, the my apartment, we lived on a second floor. 
sometimes the lights would be out because people would knock the light bulbs out. So you had to look out your door of the apartment and see if there was someone in the hallway that was going to rob you. Wow. Then once you made it to the stairs and you made it to the end of the building, now you got to look both ways to see if it's somebody out there that's going to rob you. Then when you get to the bus stop, you have to look both ways because you got to make sure there's nobody there that's going to rob you. Then when you get on the bus, it's guys that's on the bus that's going to take your shoes, your coat. Then when you get to the school that you go to that was an hour away, I was in the second worst area, which was the Inglewood area, which was President Trump talked about that area in Chicago, Mm. the Inglewood area. And it's the highest murder rate uh, second to where I came from. So I went to school in the second worst area. And so so, so one day I got robbed twice. I got robbed in my neighborhood and I got robbed at the school. And I talk about those in my first book of and people say, man, how are you even alive? Mm. And I didn't have the worst case. I was an athlete. I was uh, I was one of the good kids, you know, that wanted to make it. So imagine mm. if, if you didn't have that desire, that knowledge, that information, those values that your parents put in you, and you, you're able to take that and, and put it into your skill set, too. My... Uh... My wife, uh, when we were living in Indonesia, she wrote a book, and this is her book. Grace brought me here. It's my beautiful wife. Yes. And she wrote this book because she realized, and you mentioned it just before, about these small moments, and Mm -hmm. she talks about the concept of um, recognizing the significance of insignificant moments. So she grew up in a very um, violent, domestic, abusive um, household, and then really by her own determination and her faith, Mm -hmm. turned her own life around. And so she wrote this book. But she didn't have someone like you to guide her and to help her to help her know yep. how to write the book and format things. She spent yes. nearly a year from thinking to planning to sitting at Starbucks yes. every single day for yeah. four hours wow. and just writing and putting things down, honing it, rereading it, sharing mm-hmm. it. So for those people out there who recognize I have a book within me, I have a story mm-hmm. within me, yes. I have some a desire within me to share what I have learned. Tell mm-hmm. us about what you do with okay. helping authors. What what I decided to do was the one thing that Ray, again, my best friend, wanted to do. When he passed away, he never was able to tell his story. Here I was, the top salesman in my company, in the division of my company. And I'm at the podium uh, getting the highest award that you could get, the top, the best of the best in that top 1%. And here's my best friend dying in a hospital. So when he passed away, my fears came in and my fears were to take his story and to write it. And we all have doubt and we have fears. And so for three years, I didn't say anything about it. I just uh thought about this is what he wanted to do and then one day i shared this i shared it with my wife and i started sharing it with people and somebody said well why don't you do it and i said man and that's where all the fears from coming from the inner city and all the doubt of you know who's going to listen to me who wants to hear my story 
Mm. So, so what I want to share with everyone is to say we all have a story. We're all we all have something unique to share. Nobody mm. can tell anybody's story like they can. I can tell this story that I'm telling you. I'm the only one that can tell it this way. That's right. The only one in the world. Other people may have known him, but they can't tell my story with him like I can. So that's where I would say if you have something that you want to do, we have what we call an Aspiring Authors Academy. And our Aspiring Authors Academy is myself and my wife. And she's a project manager uh, in corporate America. And so she she's a nuts and bolts person. I'm a sales guy. So the two of us together, she can she can handle the back end and I can handle the front end. So I told her, I said, let's do something that we do best together. And Love the best it. thing that we've done, she's written children's books and I've written adult books. And we said the best thing that we could do is help people. We have so many people asking us all the time, uh, how do you write a book? What do you do? So we put a course together, an eight-hour eight course, and we share that information with people on from beginning to end, how to write the course. And there you go, Aspiring Authors Academy. Uh, and you can learn the top three reasons aspiring authors never complete their books. And that part right there that you're looking at is the free masterclass that goes into the course if they want to go to the next the next phase. But we do this part free and we have uh, master classes that we give twice a week uh, at designated times so that they can get an idea of who we are, how we operate, how we work. And if you like it, then they can go into the full course. I really wanted to make sure that um, people can get hold of you, people can can catch you. Mm -hmm. and get involved with what you do because i think you come from such a unique background where many other people would not have would not have thought even that they could aspire for something more and not only aspiration but you've achieved so much yourself and so i want to put your uh put your linkedin profile up here as well for people to connect with you on linkedin and just as we wrap up edge what are some of the principles or ideas or concepts that you just want to leave people with because i know that you think about these deeply about the mm -hmm. principles that people can put in place well i want people to understand that in their in their we're all born with certain gifts and talents that's what i want everyone to know and the difference is the expectations that we put on ourselves we all have the ability to do something great but we're it's our expectations and the, and and i want people to know you play the life the game of life to win you know you play the game of life to win and if you just put your best foot uh again ray and me he was a better athlete he was a better uh dreamer he had all the skills but you have to have the belief and if I could leave that one thing is that, is that I'm I'm a, a romantic when it comes to and I'm obsessed with just taking people who say you can't do it and taking that challenge on. You know why mm -hmm. I'm staying in shape? Because when I was when I was that little skinny kid getting on the bus, people say you couldn't play. They say you'll never play football. They say 
you're five foot three, 103 pounds. You know, my teeth were so big, Dr. Craig, they hung down to my navel, you know, <laughs> no girls like me. So this is that six, this is like Evan says in, in, in uh, Movement Makers, this is that 12 year old, 13 year old kid right now who's saying, I can still do it. And I planned on being this guy at this age because I saw my dad riding that bike at 80 years old. So I said, the genes are there. Let me just yeah. work. Let me work. Let me do what I've always done um, and keep that work habit. So this morning when I woke up, I was on my stationary bike this morning. You know, my wife has fixed me a bowl right now. This is this is yogurt wow. and mm, delicious and, and uh, bananas and strawberries. That's what I. That's my breakfast there. That's so. It's all when when I see guys and they have a little pudge and they're like, "Oh man, you stand in shape." I give up a lot of stuff to keep myself in shape. Right. You know. So that's part of it right there. So many great things for, for leaders and people who have those aspirations and want to see them realize that you've mentioned today. I just want to run through some of those just to wrap up, mm -hmm. um, keeping those habits strong and keeping them going. Yes. Um, put expectations upon yourself. I think one of the things that you just mentioned there, it's what you give up and you don't do that maybe just mm -hmm. as important as what you do do and you yes. keep doing and put into your life. It's really important to take some things out of the life as well. Mm -hmm. Doubling down on those principles of success that you find. Mm -hmm. uh, staying limber, as you said, making sure that you focus on those dreams and pushing through and waiting until mm -hmm. they actually do come true and not giving yes. up on them. Choosing to change circumstances and relationships. Um, I just really love that. And the relationships and the circumstances mm -hmm. are really important. Ed, I really want to thank you for your time. I, I admire what you do and how you do it. And um, I really believe that the people that are watching the the recording from our students, our faculty, mm -hmm. and people just generally on our social media platforms will get a lot from what you've shared. So thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. And like you said, every if anyone wants to reach me, they can look at you can Google EJ Edge Bassetti, my name that's there, and all of my stuff will pop up and all of my uh, contact information will pop up too. Fantastic. Those people that are watching on LinkedIn or YouTube or on Twitter, um, I've put the links into the chat. So there should be okay. comments available. And what I will do is I'll jump into our um, to the description on YouTube yeah. and I'll edit it. And I'll put the link to your LinkedIn profile and the, um, the author's aspiring academy as well. So thank you so much. You have a great day. Baby is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I believe right. it. Thank you. Everyone who's um, catching our recording, thanks so much for being with us. I know you've been inspired by what Edge has shared. And remember that if you are interested in training and increasing your qualifications, if you come from a military background particularly, you know that you come with a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge, a lot of experiences, but sometimes that's not recognized and you don't get credit for that academically when you want to pursue a degree or a master's. But that's what we do with the University of Applied Research and Development. We're set up to make sure that your experiences, your training, your background and everything that you bring into your profession and from your profession you do gain academic credit for them. We are VA and GI Bill funded in the United States of America. So we look forward to seeing you again on one of our podcasts. Thanks for being with us.